Hello, everyone. Um, welcome back. Episode eight, Black Factivism. Um, this is Corey McCarthy, joined by Cortland Ferreira Douglas. Um, we took a little break, ended the school year, graduation, senior week. Um, lots of announcements, lots of changes. Um, excited to hear about that. But um, before we get into the mix uh, on urban education and, and and fairness and opportunity for, for students. Uh, Cortland, man, how you doing? Um, I'm doing good. You know, uh, it, there's a lot of stuff happening. Um, you know, like, like McCarthy is saying, a lot of changes, a lot of things that come with those changes. Um, you know, I think for me, um, you know, I, I feel very fortunate in the fact that I, I have the ability to, to keep to, to stay busy and, and to, to, to continue to engage and, and, and find ways to make impact, um, both in terms of, um, you know, where I am and then where I'm going in the future. And so um, I have a lot of stuff that's pulling at you, but that's not a bad thing. That just means that you're, you're doing a lot of stuff and it makes me really, I don't know, just really, really engaged and really, really looking forward to what the future might be. I think that's probably one of the biggest things I think that I take away from really this entire year. Um, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the entire year as far as, you know, scope and looking back. But if there's one thing I would say is like, that's something that uh, I continue to take. And that's something that as I am looking at the education programs that I'm working on right now, developing a lot of things, looking at, you know, new opportunities that I'm having for the future. Um, that is something that I'm looking forward to just being able to take that potential and turn it into something. Um, and so I'm doing good. I'm doing very good. How about yourself? I know that, uh, you know, you, you just got back. So. Right. You know, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, a lot of changes, you know, all, all, all really good, but it doesn't stop it from being an emotional roller coaster. But here's my thing. I think, because of these changes that we're going to talk about, I think that people are going to be like, well, you know, these guys, you know, they were able to like win during the pandemic. But I will say the pandemic gave folks an opportunity to recognize how uh, valuable we are to districts, right? And to our school. And, and but it also, most importantly, and I say this all the time, one thing about the pandemic is that we really found out who had authentic relationships with kids. Right. And who had that skill. And I think some of the things that we are able to experience moving forward is going to be a re as a result of our ability to connect with children and children wanting to and scholars and young people and their, their need to want to learn from us. And, um, you know, and, and give yourself, a, you know, a, a pat yourself on the back. Right. And look, at, look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, you know what? I'm really doing better than I was a year ago. And um, I think that's important for a brother to hear. So from brother to brother, congratulations. I'm going to ask you to talk about what you're doing next week and you're, with you moving on. Sure, right? Like, so one of the things uh, that I'll say is, as you gave voice to being able to make connections, is you know, something I always tell students is, is that whatever you do, and this isn't just teaching. This is just real life stuff, right? When you walk into a room, when you talk to someone, you know, they should be able to know what your heart is and 
before I leave any room, I always want people to be able to understand who I am and what I'm about. Correct. And, you know, one of the things, one of the challenges with being virtual, especially in a place where students don't turn their cameras on in a place where um, it, it can be a little bit disjointed. I myself feel like all of the things that I hold that's like a cornerstone of my own teaching still came through, right? When I'm sitting here ma making home visits, when I don't have to, um, when I'm giving out prizes, when I'm trying to put effort into my slides, right? Some students, you know, if you don't want to give prizes, you know, upgrade your slide game. There's tons of students who talk to me about how that was such an impactful thing that I put so much effort into those slides that it made me want to put effort in. Um, you know, I have students who wrote to me at the end, you know, that this is one of the most impactful experiences that they've had talking about the culture, talking about things that are not just chemistry, but things that happen in my real life, right? When we took time out to talk about Breonna Taylor, right? An entire period, we, hey, we're going to pause education and do this. Same thing with the Capitol, same thing with George Floyd, right? Talking and giving voice to these, these instances, stop Asian hate, we took a day and talked about that. The Holocaust, we talked about that, right? They, up, they, they opened the museum up. And so we were able to talk about some of the human suffering and some of the really amazing human progress that people have made since that time. And so, you know, I have students who have given voice to those things. And a lot of that culminates um, into what better opportunity, right? I think as you were talking about how it highlights, you know, some of the, some of the, some of the things that we bring to the table, in my opinion, you know, the people who were out there progressing and putting that effort out there, right. Who were not just teaching, but doing extra stuff. Right. I think about not just, um, not just me, but like, I think about someone like Mr. Bailey, right. Who's going to take over uh, a, a modern black history class next year, right. Culture of history, right. Why? Because he's out there and he's doing something that, allows it so that he has an opportunity and he can he can be the one to wrestle that and bring it to the next find, find me another place that's doing a core class called black history right and so what i'm saying is that the individuals who are active right who are doing those things i think about the english department and how they started an entire podcast where they're you know revolving students to talk about these these issues that come up in their english classroom right like how impactful that is miss simmons going in there talking about some of the things you know that 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 they're doing miss dunn being able to to go in and and and, and give voice to the diversity that she's trying to bring into her classroom and so to me what i think is on highlight is there are a lot of people who are getting, I think, rewarded for the effort that they put in and more importantly, the constants that they put in, right? It's not just enough to teach, but I have to what always be present. And I think that being present doesn't mean showing up. It means making sure that you are putting that connection out there, making sure that, sure, not every student is going to uh, excel, but they have to be connected into what you're doing. And so I think that's one of the big things um, as far as what I'll be doing next year. So, you know, this year, um, I don't know if you want me to talk about why I'm leaving, but this year is actually, you know, you know us, bro, whatever you got to do. <laughs> that's fine. Um, I, I'll get into that in a second, but 
you know, for me, um, you know, this is the final year that I'll be teaching at Everett High School. And for, so for me, that was, you know, this, this past, what, couple of months, because I told my kids about a month and a half ago, because um, I wanted to make sure to let them know ahead of time um, that, uh, you know, I was going to be moving on to the, to, an, to another school. And so that meant that the, the last month or so was kind of a bittersweet experience. Um, you continually going into a school that you're not going to be at next year. Um, and one of the more interesting things, knowing that that's a possibility or a probability, um, you know, some of my students, they came up to me and they said, but you still do all the stuff. You know, you come in, you went to all our games because uh, for the people who don't know, um, all the school districts handled sports in this really weird way that we just going to have every sport and just have a back to back to back to back for like the next three months. And, you know, one thing I love to do is I love to document and, and, and show and show up to those games for the students. And even after I told them I was going to um, that I was going to be moving to a new school next year. You know, I think some of them thought that like, oh, maybe he'll he'll not he'll, he won't show up to those things. Right. Um, but instead, I feel like, you know, we put the pedal down and instead we did even more than I think they were expecting. Right. Being able to go to all of the all of the games, all the sports games that they had, um, you know, me, Mr. McCarthy put on um, a, a financial literacy program and. They were like, yeah, like the, this has a lot of effort. You can see the time that I put into cultivating that, knowing that I'm not going to be at the school anymore, you know, still putting together internships, all of those things. And so, you know, what I well, shout out to you for that. And you know what? We have all the links and yep. where we, you can watch every single week. You can share with your kids. You can break it down hour by hour. You can do the stock market game. That's not something we're holding hostage. We just think every kid should be able to have access to this. Continue. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I want to say and put out there is, yeah, we archived everything. So because I had some parents who came to me and said, hey, you know, my, my student's not going to be able to be a part of it. Is there a way that they can be involved in, in even if they don't go to the sessions? And what I told them, and I'll tell every person listening to this, if you are interested in it, um, please feel free. It's all there. It's you can totally have the same experience. Just go in and just do the activities. Um, I can't tell you the amount of students who told me that they got something out of it. Um, kudos to the students who gave the three hours every single Saturday. Um, nine, sat nine Saturdays. Crazy. Like we started the program. I think like I, I expected there to be, you know, maybe, you know, 20, 30 kids on the first week and then they drop off. But every single week we averaged, you know, from 26 to 34 kids for the entire time, right? It never dipped below 24. Um, and that was during the eighth week when we had them, I think we told them like two days ahead of time and they right. still came out. And so, you know, not only is it a voice that um, stu it, it, it's, it's a need and something that students want in terms of that financial literacy, what I think it is, is a call for education to expand itself beyond what we just standardly teach inside the classroom. Um, students have a lot of curiosity and I think it, it, it requires 
you to to really broaden out and and I I would put it out there for teachers and do your job to make it interesting for them. That's what I would say is, you know, being able to, it's kind of funny. So in, in the science department, we're talking about bringing in these books, right. To, to, for the hook, the buy-in into our class. And what I always tell them is like, I don't see what's wrong with just telling them the story. And why don't you just put all that cultural stuff that you guys are trying to find in this book that we're seeing right? Because they want a real world application, which is great, by the way. Well, how come you're not just putting that into your content anyway, right? right. You should just stuff, be stuffing it in there, right? Put comic books in there, put, ev- put everything that you enjoy into that and make it so that, you know, why, do, why, do, why would I, why did I know that the financial literacy program would be a success? Because of the fact that the same reason why I know my classroom is a success is because of the fact that it's something that inspires me, and if it inspires me, I, I know that it will inspire the kids. Because even if it doesn't inspire a kid, if they know why it inspires you, that's good enough. Mm. Um, you know, that's what right. I was saying. Um, but yeah, so next year, uh, sorry about that. So next year, um, I will be uh, taking over uh, the chemistry, a chemistry position at Wayland High School. Um, uh, it happened over, I think, April break. Uh, if you don't know, shout out to Dr. Easy, Omar Easy, who is the incoming superintendent at Wayland. Um, you know, he called me up April, uh, April vacation. And he, he said, hey, you know, I have an AP chemistry position uh, at the school. Um, I'm trying to bring in a lot of a lot of brothers in there. And he wants to do a lot of a lot of really good things. And he said, you know, he he he, he uh, worked at the Everett Public Schools for those people who don't know. And so I've been working with him uh, for at least a year. And he said, you know, I love the cultural stuff that you do in the classroom. I want to bring that over to Wayland, and uh, you know, getting into the reasons why I left. You know, one of the things that's funny about it. Um, is at Everett, you know, next year will be my ninth year of teaching. And at Everett, you know, they only paid me as if I was a third year teacher. You know, like, I'm not a third year teacher. (laughs) Like that, I don't think I bring that level of exposure and expertise and a whole bunch of other things to the table. Like, I don't think that that's an okay thing. Um, And it's funny when if, if you want to talk about what the experience is of, you know, I don't know if it's true for Latino or Asian individual, although I'm half Asian, I just want to put that out there. Um, nobody sees that though. Um, I don't know how many people I told them and they said like, that's not right. And that you should renegotiate or you should tell them, you know, you have the right to renegotiate. To me, every time a person said that it was almost like, I didn't say this to them. Uh, but it's one of those moments where like your privilege is really interestingly ex- like expressed and how, you know, my educational journey is about going to a lot of different places, having to go from school to school to school, t- uh, principals, districts coming to you saying like, hey, that cultural stuff that you do, like it's not for you, right? We don't want that here. Um, or just, you know, they do it in a polite way, but it's saying we're just not going to ask you back. 
Um, but it's nonsense. But but the but the thing when you talk about privilege, where you know all these teachers, all of them being white, saying like, "Hey, you should you know should you should negotiate." That's what I did, and what I I would tell them is I really hope um, that that individuals who are listening to this could use it as an opportunity to really understand the black experience um, when you go into education, right? Is one of the things that I hope to communicate to them is, yeah, like white people get equity, right? White people get the ability to renegotiate, right? But I've had people- They, they get to take a stand. I've had people, right, come to me. And when I come back to them and say like, hey, like these are the amount of years I think I should get. I've had someone who was in the interview tell me specifically, he said, oh, I thought you wanted, I thought you wanted the job. That's a shame because you could have made a lot of difference in these kids' lives. Trying to put it on me as if me asking for equity is somehow the, like my fault. And so he gave the job to someone else, gave him equity though, right? Gave him the years he's supposed to have. Because like I said, to me, the olive branch that she gave me was what apparently just offering the job. That's enough, right? That should be enough that you, you got the job. That should that's, be enough. That's what you want. That's what I, 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 I was going to give it to somebody else, but somebody convinced me that I had to give it to you. So, uh, you know, that I gave the olive branch the fact that they offered me the job, not equity. Here's this brother coming in. He says that he deserves equity. He doesn't understand his place. Right. And so all of these individuals telling me like, hey, you should have negotiated. I go like that must be a really interesting and amazing privileged place that you come from. You know, and right. so like that to me is something um that I found very interesting. Uh, one of the things that I appreciate at, you know, Waylon, um, part of it is because of the fact um, that they were, you know, we literally sat down, looked at, you know, my, my experience, walked year by year by year to get to, to, to the number that we have. Um, and so I appreciate them, you know, being able to get me to the level that I'll, I'll be getting next year, because what it means and this is one of the reasons why it was very difficult, even if I wanted to stay, um, even if I wanted to stay, there's no way that I, 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 I could stay because of the fact that once they give me the years I'm supposed to have, every place after this is going to have to give me that same amount, at wow. least. And so, like, even if I happen to leave Wayland in like one or two years, it'll still have the impact on my career that I wanted. Um, on top of the fact... The, 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 when you told me this, our superintendent, woman of color, yep. she said, we're willing, we're willing to go there. Sure. Now, your mind was already set. That's cool. But I just don't want folks to think that we wasn't ready to go, to, go down that road and fight and fight for you. We've, yeah. I personally, you know, we value the hell out of you. So... Wayland's getting a hell of an educator, but yeah, continue, man. No, I appreciate that. Um, and, and I appreciate that gesture, like truly. Um, I can tell you right now, you know, one of the hardest things, and I, I, I would tell every faculty, I would tell, I told the students this, I tell everyone, um, when you dream of a, of a group of students, you know, to work with, when you 
dream of of the demographics of the type of students that you want to serve like ever ever is the picture of that type of student mm-hmm. um it is it is an amazing place with amazing students if diversity students. was a person yeah it would be the student body at ever yeah, it is it is when they tell you that you know some places say they're diverse and they're not you walk in and they're not really they just have like people of color that they let in right there's a difference between those two um ever ever sound like that ever when you come in it is it is legitimately an interesting place to to go in go into the see we mccarthy wasn't here when we had the lunches but um you know last year it was funny you have the lunch room there and when when you try to you try, you try to search for the for the white students and it's, it's, it's hard to find them um that's when you know that you're in a in a really interestingly like unique place um and so you know there's there's that the other thing like i said there's a lot of different reasons the second reason is you know giving me the ability to teach you know, chemistry AP is, you know, that's a big deal. Um, I continue to say that you know, we've, we've been trying to find another black chemistry AP teacher or anywhere in America. And so if you know anyone, if you, if we've been trying, feel free to hit us up. We've been. Yo, this brother is about to be the only AP, black, black AP chemistry teacher that we've been able to find. So until we find it, he's the only one in America. We've been trying to find one. So if you if it's you, take this po- podcast, take this, take this anywhere as a as a bat signal, black symbol, whatever you want to call it, as please feel free to get in contact with me. Um, you know, Cortland F. Douglas at gmail.com. Hit me up because I am trying to find one. Even if you're not going to share no resources, we can just resonate and just 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 appreciate the fact that I we found another one because like it is, you know that is another moment of privilege that I just I find interesting in education and unique for people of color, right? You talk about what do students experience? What do faculty experience when every single place you go to? you can guarantee that every, you know, first of all, like I've never run into another chemistry uh, teacher who's black, just in general, forget about whether they're teaching AP or not. Um, And then to have one teach AP, um, it's a very rare, like I said, I've never run into another one, like ever. That's about to be the title of this episode, bro. I've never I, seen one. Find us an AP chem, a black AP chem teacher. Tell them, but that is mission, mission. That that is the mission impossible right now. And I would love for, truly, that is my one. Someone find me a chemistry, black, could be male or female. I really don't care. Black, chemistry AP teacher. I I, I would love you if you if you want to find us fee. I'm not gonna give you like a thousand dollars, but if you want something crazy. I will I will hit you up with with whatever it is you need because that is my search right now, but being able to do that, you know, I I, I don't feel with the leadership that we have in that science department, um, and things of that nature, right? I I don't think that they they were gonna give me the AP position, um, and you know, one thing just to 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 give a shout out, like I don't I don't think that they should feel 
that they should elevate me to that status, but the impact that that could make is extremely important. And, uh, and at the next school, I'm very much, very much intrigued by that. Um, and very thankful for that type of opportunity. Correct. Well, congratulations, man. Honestly, congratulations. And, um, you know, I just came from Boston, obviously, and there's a lot of brothers leaving Boston as well. Um, shout out to Ray Porch going from the Lee School, or uh, Perkins School, I believe. Uh, sorry if I got it wrong, Lee Academy, to Burlington Public Schools. Damon Kelton is leaving. Um, you know, he was on here with us. He's leaving Brighton High School. He's going to Lincoln Sudbury. Curtis Martin from Brighton High School is going to Reading as a MECO director. <sighs> what does that mean, right? Um, it means that it doesn't really necessarily mean that these suburban schools value Black educators. Don't get it twisted. Um, but it's not really about what they want us to do. It's about what we are able to do. Right? Can we make an, what kind of impact can we have um, without being labeled as a security model? Right? And I think for me as a man of color, I think we all chase capacity. Like we want to chase, we're all after the, uh, you know, our own personal agency to do things, right? To get the, the, the ability to just get things done in a way that we only we could authentic, authentically do. I think sometimes in districts, um, there is a lot of like, hey, listen, black man, you're here, that should be enough. Um, you know, me probably being the black vice principal, you being the black science teacher. Um, and I think a lot of times we leave because of that burden, right? Oh, I, I really do equate being a black man in education to wearing a wet, I would say this, like to wearing like a wet shirt in the winter, right? You wear a wet shirt all winter, zero degrees, it's just got to deal with it, <laughs> right? Even when it gets warm, you still, even when you warm up, you still get freezer burn, right? So it's this double-edged sword, um, but it's not, it's very troubling to me that we're losing folks, right? And I know the last episode we talked about like recruiting and um, and I'm going to get into that later in terms of what my next move is, which is probably going to be a surprise to you as well. You're my brother. Um, that's why I wanted you to go to D.C. with me last week and you didn't go, but it's all right. We'll talk about that too. But the, the I'm really, I'm really, really hurt to not, to see brothers leave urban urban districts. And I think when we, it just all comes back to leadership sometimes, you know? And I think sometimes, you know, it's like, have, it's like when you have a baby, like some babies do need, like my son, he never needed special attention, right? He just never did. It doesn't make him a, the great, a good kid. He's a great kid, right? But it doesn't make him any different than anybody else. But some babies do require a lot of attention, right? Some people require, and I knew that if I value, if you value someone, you got to let them know every day, man. Because 
that the the payoff for that is going to be incredible for you as a leader, right? It's going to be incredible for you as a leader. So when I, sometimes I just walk by people's classrooms and you know who you are, right? And I just say to people, man, listen, man, you're doing an incredible job. You're doing an incredible job, right? And some people reply like, hey, I didn't even think you noticed me. Sometimes I don't. But you know who notices you? The kids. Mm-hmm. And that's good enough for me, <laughs> right? That's just good enough for me. So I think, you know, we have to, to really, really start valuing our best educators. And I, but while understanding that the educators of color are also fighting constantly this burden. And I'll tell you, man, like, you know, I had a few incidents this year that was, that was, I don't know how anybody else would have handled it, you know? Um, but I thought it was very, I, I, it was just sort of like, damn, like y'all can't, y'all even trying to hide it, <laughs> you know, like, you know, I, I remember somebody was trying, somebody had something to say about me bringing kids back into the building, these eight struggling black kids back into the building um, early under COVID protocols. Cause I sent them something to your room and they were, but they were just complaining about me, but they couldn't complain to me. They couldn't come to me. Like, what about me is not approachable, right? But they would go to somebody that would know, that they know they could get the, oh, yeah, he's wrong from. And that's how you fester nonsense, right? I, and if you're going to work with somebody of color, of color, folks, if you're listening, which you probably do because y'all like to report everything I say anyway, right? Just go to that person, right? So, yeah, they said, hey, you know, you're not supposed to have kids back, even though kids were back in the building, even though some of them were bringing kids back in the building. But it wasn't a problem with the kids. It was a problem with me, the black dude, the black vice principal bringing kids back into the building. And then they were whispering about it. And instead of coming to the black vice principal, right? And I, just as like one of the things, now, don't get me wrong. Some of those folks have, have sort of, um, they sort of learned how to check their biases a little bit because I know if they got in the same room with me, I would have just exposed them for, to being, for being sort of super biased and helped or maybe try to help them understand that it was based on me being who I am as a black man. They don't think that. They're, they're probably at their kitchen tables talking about me like a dog. But that's fine. But you're going to work with these kids. And these kids are coming back. So, you know, I think going back to leave, watching brothers leave the districts, man, is just pretty tough. And um, I do wish you the best. I want to, um, and I'll get to my little situation after. I want to just jump, jump right, jump right into something really quick. What are your thoughts on, um, what are your thoughts on all of these very, very, very shaken Americans um, who do not want to um, include critical race theory into any of their curriculum? Sure. Right. Like, so one of the things I want to say is this, is that like, I want to dispel the notion that's attached to critical race theory uh, that I, or that I feel is attached to critical race theory as a, (laughs) 
to me, it, it, we're not talking about theories out here. These are facts, right? And so I think that, like, first of all, for me, it hurts me when people have these conversations because because they make it they make it seem as if as if the things that someone is saying is not a fact, a historical uh-huh. like you can look it up. This happened, right? We're not talking about what it means. We're not talking about how you understand it, right? We're just talking about things that are bona fide, hundred percent facts that these happened right Wilmington right. North Carolina that is a fact that is not something that is like hey maybe it happened Tulsa that is a fact that is not something where someone goes like hey let's talk about potentially it happening that is a fact that that happened right shout out to um to ninth grade history teacher Brendan um Hassey for, for, for one, of, one of our discussions about this could continue well, exactly. Right. And, and so like when we're talking about critical race theory, what I would say is I would like to dispel the idea that we're talking about things that are somehow this concoction of theory. These are facts that people are talking about. And what you are doing is you are you are trying to exclude those facts to paint your own picture of what you think it should be. And so. What I would say is, you know, it's a similar, it's a similar conversation as to, you know, education and the, the, the view of that is if you don't want it to be that way, then you should change it, <laughs> right? You can't change the narrative. Like, in my opinion, I would love it if somebody came to me and said, hey, we're teaching you about, you know, this mistreatment of Black and, and Latinos and Asian individuals, Right. One of my favorite things about Stop Asian Hate is the fact that it's finally bringing that stuff to the surface. Right. They finally get a spotlight when such, you know, as a person who's half Asian, how much that's under the radar all the time. Right. And I want to expand the circle even further and talk about, you know, some of the disparaged individuals that have nothing to do with race. Right. When we talk about LGBTQ communities and the treatment that they've gotten. And I'm happy the fact that we're finally starting as a society to take that up right to the point where it permeates. Apparently, my Mr. Potato Head has to figure out what it is, which I thought that was the whole point that he could be trans. Right. You can turn him into a woman if you want to. But apparently we just forgot that. What I'm what I'm saying is that. It I would love it if I could tell the story. Right of a country that has this as its history. And I can also distill to you and let you know that you can be very proud of this country because of the fact that we are doing something about it, right? That to me is what I would love. And in my opinion, I think when, if more people understood the facts, not like critical, not a theory, but facts that happened. But theory is a theory is theory in the term is actually an olive branch. Right. Like in my, my opinion, like, well, that's the reason why, like I said, like I want to dispel the notion and start there, that we're not talking about this theory idea. That's my feeling. We're talking about facts, things that happened, 100%. Forget about how you fall, how you view those things, right? Right, and, right. How you disseminate the information is theoretical, right? It's theoretical how the, the how the information is disseminated but by no these are facts right and and so in my opinion 
what I would say is, you know, what I hear a lot from these, from, from the, from the, from, from the individuals who are against it is they talk about how individuals are preaching hate against country, right? Hate against patriotism or any of those things. And what I would say, you know, they're, they're trying to, they, they make, they say that, that those teachers who are pushing this are trying to make individuals not like their own country. What I would tell you is a couple of things. One, it's a very simplistic view of, of humanity that apparently you believe that I can't both find things that are wrong in it and yet still love the country at the same time. What I, and you can ask my students, they know I, I, I love this country, right? Part of the reason why I show my cultural stuff all the time is because of the fact that I want them to know that I believe in these things. I believe in our country, you know, and, and it's not just the, the, the hardships or the, the interests that, that are ingrained in communities of color. It's important to also recognize the individuals on the other side. Right. We had deep conversations in my classroom after the Capitol Hill riot and people were talking about and, you know, and using language to, 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 to talk about people who did that. And what I told them is what they did is wrong. And I would never, ever, ever, ever defend that. But what I will tell you is that there are individuals on that side who are very afraid of where this country is headed. And I'm not trying to absolve that, but what I want you to do is I want you to understand that. We need to understand those people in order to reach them and bring them to our side. And I'm also fine, like someone asked me like, you know, do you think something should happen to bigots out there? And I say, I'm very happy that I live in a country in which bigots have the ability to voice what they feel, right? I appreciate that freedom. Because in my opinion, I believe we are the best country in the sense that we have that ability to have that diversity and that conversation. What I hope is through the conversation, we can bring those individuals back to that humanity that they need. What I told them is that I, I don't think that we should let those people be in power to kind of push that. But what every student and I have some students who are conservative and we have talk conversations about this, is what they come away with is that Mr. Douglas is someone who enjoys and believes in this country. He just has some things that he thinks that you should know about because there are individuals out there who are marginalized, who don't have the ability to live the truth that they want. And in my opinion, as long as somebody is trying to live their truth, and they don't infringe on you in any way, then in my opinion, I support that as an act. And to me, critical race theory, or really what I hope America's journey is, is the hope that we can push society towards individuals being able to do that. And one of the things that I love about the fact that this is finally coming out there, and I hope that it, um, that it proliferates and that we continue to push this, this culture into, into spaces is, you know, I would say two things, right? My one challenge or my hope is one, say the same thing that MLK said, right? The one cool thing and the reason why America is so amazing is because of the fact that they have ideals 
And I think that we can push society to achieve those ideals, right? Martin Luther King said that all we ask is just one thing. What? That you stand behind what you put on paper. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. I'm, I always tell people, you know, one of the things, and this is one of the things I have a problem with education is I have no problem if a person comes up and says, you know what I want? I, I want to make it so that our field is white dominated and I want that to be the case. That's what I want. I want them to stand up and say that. That's what I want. But you better be ready. I'm, what I'm saying is I am fine when someone comes and tells me what they truly want, right? When they, when they create a system that keeps them in power and they, in, in marginalizing other individuals, if you just come out and say that, I may not like it and I may choose to go someplace else. But... What I would say is that person has those values and they told me what they were going to do. The problem with America and education is they talk about social justice and they want to be able to tell me that we're these things. And just like Martin Luther King says, I acknowledge that you said that. And all I ask, right, is that you simply stand behind what you did on paper. That's all I ask. Otherwise, change the wording and say that you want to be able to have this domination over someone else, um, both in terms of their view and, 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 and otherwise. And so, you know, I myself, like I said, am very much, uh, I'm happy the fact that this is the way it is. The second thing, or that we're having these conversations, I hope that it progresses. And then one of the second thing uh, that I just want to point out, um, Trevor Noah had a really interesting um, <laughs> response to uh you know this past couple of weeks um they they ratified and made juneteenth a, a federal holiday um which is very cool but also um <laughs> not really that much they just made it a holiday so i just want to put that out there that i don't really think it's progress it's just what it is another day to buy more things yeah it's just, sale. It's, just it's just another day um, I hope a bunch of black businesses get a bunch of business from it. That's what I hope. I hope it's like a for real Black Friday. Um, uh, but he had a tweet that I really appreciated in response to critical race theory is Juneteenth is apparently the only federal holiday now that is illegal to teach or at least teach the, the undercurrents of it in 15 states. Mm -hmm. Right. There are 15 states right now who have passed uh, legislation within their own state that stops and bars teachers, which I don't even know how you regulate this, but stops and bars teachers um, from teaching critical race theory, which is a nebulous term, by the way. So I don't actually know what that is, but, you know. Here's my thing. You're a good brother. You're a nice, nice man. Somebody's daughter will be very fortunate to marry you. I believe that. You have these people who are fighting against the information and the evidence that will be unearthed by critical race theory in schools are some of the most disgusting people you will ever meet. These are people who will spite their moms, these are people who don't care about their children. These are some of the most disgusting 
people ever. And here's why, right? They, they're okay with everything else changing in this country, but except telling the truth about slavery, Tulsa, the Fusion Party, the civil rights movement. They won't fight you. They won't fight you when the guns are killing everybody. They ain't gonna fight for that. So to, 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 um, to, you could kill this, their kids. You know, they're not gonna fight you. But whenever something could positively affect their children, by the, through the lens of the journey that black people have had in this country, they will fight it. They will, and the beauty of what they do that we don't do is that they're able to agree on that universally. They're uniform on that. You could be in that 1%, you could be that farmer that has eats, that eats corned beef and, and, um, and bad rice, at the end of the, um, to survive on a weekday, on a weekly basis. They hate each other, but they could agree. Like, hey man, we're not, we're not allowing this because we, we got to fight for our country, not their country. And what bothers me the most is that they're basically sending a message that even if you get the votes, right? Like so that's, that's, that's that the Paul Mooney, George Bush saying, even though you get the votes, don't mean you're gonna win, right? And what digs a lot deeper to me is that they are fighting the evidence. The evidence is proven, it's factual, right? All these brothers getting out of jail because they've been wrongfully accused because of the DNA, just the evidence, the DNA samples, don't put them in places that, White folks say they were, they went to jail, whatever. The facts and evidence are literally, literally being pumped into history and they don't want the evidence. They don't want, they don't want the evidence to change history. They don't want, because, they're, because they have still this country and educators who are fighting against critical race theory are still Eurocentric lovers of the way things were. They are mentally still indentured servants to the very people that sent them over to America and banished them. You talk about us and slavery, right? We know why slavery, slavery is still around. Like, it's still here, right? It's, it's still, we're still feeling it, right? But folks are truly, truly scared, not because of their own, their own biases, because they don't want their children to know. They don't want their children to love Black people. That means Black people will, will, be in the, will, will receive a level of empathy that they fought for, the, for them to get for years. That means more Black people in their home. That means it's, it's going to be okay to dance to Biggie, right? 
that means it's going to be okay to pick up a Tennessee Colts book. It's not an easy book on Colts book. They don't want it to be okay to embrace black culture because when they embrace black culture, it's seen as rebellious or revolutionary. So there's nothing that says more, I'm scared of black folks than rejecting critical race theory in schools. Facts. Stand on it. So, you know, I think I think there's one thing that I, I, I continue to think about um, when it comes to this moment, since we're talking about it being in the realm of education, right? A place where it is, you know, 93% white. Um, it gets even worse when we talk about the demographics of content teachers. Um, there's something that I wrote down in a journal recently in the past year or so. I read, uh, you know, all, a lot of literature, all the books that autumn white people said that I had to read. I read it again. First of all, I just want to say that Kendi's book came out in 2019, so it's not new. Um, I read that before this happened, and then I read it again just to refresh myself. Um, but in my opinion, all of those, all those teachers, if there's one thing I want to put out there for all those teachers, all those, all those anti-racist teachers, all those ones who, who, who wear that mantle, who read those books, or maybe you just read that one book and you said that that is something that I'm going to be. I remember writing in a journal one time is when we come back in person, when we have a coalescing, right? There's going to be a huge group of educators who come together, not just in terms of Zoom or any of that stuff, where a lot of issues are 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 on the back burner because we're all trying to understand how to survive through this through this climate a lot of people are going to have their physical bodies in public forums right in union spaces in classroom spaces in monthly faculty spaces the thing i would push and the thing i wrote down is i think i i, I think you know kendy said that you're either racist or anti-racist what I, I would push it even further and say that i think that you're not just anti-racist i think you're either anti-racist intentionally meaning that you're taking steps progressively to be able to push that right using whatever privilege you might have in order to help make it more equitable whether that mean critical race race theory whether that maybe instead of trying to go into the union spaces and pushing for higher wages or more sick days or whatever it is that they always be championing at the beginning of school whatever they be saying in those crazy meetings that don't ever resonate with me instead going like hey what we want to do is maybe push some some policy to be able to get more so that that 93 comes down a little bit and we have more diversity not fire anybody but hey maybe we think about the hiring practices and trying to find those individuals to me those that's an intentional thing right that to me is what it means to be anti-racist intentionally or for all those teachers as this conversation of critical race theory is happening are you doing or are you anti-racist selectively 
right? I, what does that mean? I think when it comes to anti-racism being selectively something I care about, it's like me and trash or recycling, right? People, do I recycle? When I, when it, when it, when it, when it, when it's too much of a hassle for me to put it in the blue bin versus put it in the trash, right? I got to break down a box and do all <laughs> that stuff. I got to do all these extra spaces. Got to put it into different places right sometimes i'll just i'm gonna be real with y'all not that it's like super deep or anything but miss I, I don't be doing that sometimes sometimes i just throw it in the trash i put it right in the trash pile why because for me i care about the earth and recycling and stuff like that not intentionally i do it what selectively because when it becomes a, a, a discomfort for me i just be like nah f it i'm not gonna do it no more Right. I'm just going to throw it into the trash because I know that that's where we're easy for me. to. I know somebody's going to pick it up anyway. You know. What I would say is we're having a conversation of, and we know what students need. Right. We need representation. Not only do we need representation, but we need better subject matter for these young kids. I'm not just talking about the black and brown kids. I'm talking about kids universally. How many individuals are going to go out there and say, you know what, in, in those 15 states where they banned it by law, which is still crazy, how many of you guys are going to go in there and say, you know what, damn it, I'm going to come in here and my kids need to hear this and you're going to have to fire me. Mm -hmm. I can tell you, I've lost my job. Like I said, I've had people come to me and tell me the cultural stuff you do ain't, ain't for us. How many people are going to be what I would say anti-racist intentionally or are you just gonna year after year allow your union to step up every year and go, hey, we got better wages, we got more time off, but we didn't do nothing to address any of the social inequities that exist in this class in this room, right? When I walk into a room and this is like a feeling I think most people of color can resonate with, I walk into this room and it feels more empty than it is ever than when I'm in my classroom. Mm -hmm. right that's the most empty space I've ever been is when I'm in a union where they talk about stuff that has nothing to do with any of the stuff that I care about and in my opinion are you going to continue that right or are you going to use some of the privileges you do have and be intentional about what real equity looks like that's what I would say word word and and I'll say this about our 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 kids, uh, our white students, is that they're 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 real wild, wildly inquisitive about what it is to struggle as a person of color. I have more questions this year, Mr. McCarthy. You know, can you, can you tell me wh what you felt here? You know, I don't want to say the wrong thing but help me out here. And this, and to suppress that sort of curiosity is really their goal, right? To go, to do that to their own children. Knowing damn well, black history, it, it's never adversely affected white folks. The white kids at graduation, when Lori was doing her speech and they started, she started naming those names. White kids standing up clapping because they possess the skills that adults don't want to have. You talk about being intentional, right? And 
their reckoning is going to be when what's what are they going to do when the world starts to pull them away from their black friends right that's going to be the, and that's how and that's going to be the toughest part you white kids listening out there you know just recognize it you know and then just really really understand man that this this world for black folks did not begin on a boat and I, I, I just hear, I hear people who talk about Black Panther still, right? And I loved the movie Black Panther aesthetically, right? But anyone who understands our struggle, man, they know the most important part of that movie is Michael B. Jordan in the end. They know. They know. And what's that, right? Shout out to those who chose the ocean, right? And for us who fight these Eurocentric practices, these racist um, ideologies and all these little sneak dissing that they do and all these little mini reports and check-ins they do with people to try to regulate us and our behaviors, man, that's just us choosing the ocean. That's us choosing it. I choose, I wake up and choose the ocean every day. I don't bleed so the sharks don't get me, so they're my friends. I learned to swim with the dolphins. I'm Jonah that survived the whale. I know how to swim. I'll eat the raw fish if I have to. I'm choosing the ocean. You know? Um, so, you know, I think, once again, I wish you the best, man. And um, I hope, you know, whaling is a suburb. And now, you know, we'll... I'm sure we'll be we'll be discussing that um, in in your near future because this podcast isn't going anywhere. But I wanted to make my announcement as well. Um, you know, I I want to I I I wanted to be a principal for so long um, because I feel like my mindset around children and the way they gravitate to me and how they learn from me, just based on like me just getting it and going be up and, and seeing them, right? Um, and I feel like I have a really unique perspective to bring to education. This is why I've been successful at it, right? I just want to be more successful with more kids at my own discretion. Nothing wrong with that. So I, I wholeheartedly apologize to New Bedford Public Schools. I accepted a, a principal job at New Bedford uh, Middle School, Keith Middle School. I met some of the most amazing kids. I played flag, flag football with them. I played soccer with them. Just amazing middle schoolers. Who just, you know, I just will never forget those kids. And I just, just met them, but I would never, ever forget them. I rescinded that offer when my superintendent in Everett, this is days ago, and Corbin doesn't even know this, um, my superintendent, Priya Tehiliani, who is, who I believe is one of the best leaders I've come across. And I've come, I've come across many. I've disagreed with many. I may disagree with her, but geez, you got to respect that toughness and resilience and vision. And um, she invited me to not just follow her, but to, to lead with her. Um, and gave me an opportunity and fought for me, right? Fighting for an opportunity, which is rare, right? Just fighting so hard for an opportunity, opportunity for a black man to do something special in a district where the students are the best students I've ever been around. 
And so in a couple of days, I'll, they'll announce that I'm going to be the new um, chief equity officer for the District of Everett, where I get to work with everyone, every school, every leader, every teacher, every custodian, every support staff, every lunch member. And I'm just always going to be about how people's morals, values, and ethics adversely or positively affect our children, um, our Black children, our um, Latin, Latino descent children, our Native American children, our white children, our Asian children, um, our Caribbean children, our West Indian children, our South American children, um, our, our marginalized, underrepresented, underserved children. Um, and for me, I'm just on a justice and fairness campaign. And I, I believe that this work is about fairness. It's not diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? That's different. This is just really trying, diversity, equity, and inclusion, you're really just trying to make sure the practices are informed by things, right? When you do what I'm challenged to do is you're making, you're making it happen. And um, I'm very fortunate. Um, and I hope to be a, a, continue to be a change maker. And most importantly, honestly, these kids are too good to walk away from. Um, so if you're listening to this from every high school, every public schools, you know, your kids are great. And I, I hope to convince people to love them a lot different. Parents, teachers, locals, whatever. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, we're going to continue the podcast. And um, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to ask a question and say, hey, what's the highlight of your year, Cortland? Uh, shoot, the highlight of my year. First of all, congratulations for that. Um, truly, thank you. Um, you know, at some point, maybe we can have it for a different topic. You know, you you rifled off a, you know, a, a list of 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 amazing educators of color who are going to be going someplace else. Um, and I think there can be a deeper conversation about you know what are the things that 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 attract or, or cause. What are some of the practices that are ingrained in education? We hinted on some of the things that happen, some of the inequities between black experiences and white experiences in terms of faculty and, and experience. Um, and how do we, like, what are the things that these suburbs, that other places are giving to these students, or to me, these faculty, these amazing educators that are pushing them away from what I would say students of color, concentrations of students of color who really need those teachers to stay home. Um, like I said, we can talk about that. From, um, oh, we will. On a different, on another, on another installment. Um, Cause I do have a lot of, uh, you know, comments on that, but my favorite, you know, what is, what is, what is my, uh, my number one moment of the year? Um, you know, I wish, <laughs> I wish I could show you guys, um if my you know if mccarthy has technology maybe he'll throw it up he probably he, he doesn't have that skill so it's not gonna happen but um you hating though but all right what, what you looking for but uh <laughs> one of my favorite moments and how do i know that i that the teaching the style that i have even remote was impactful is when students write to you and they tell you how you impacted their life Right in meaningful ways, ways 
Hmm? I have that. No, I could send it to you if you want. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, you should have it though. Um, in, in, in extremely meaningful ways who tell you that, that the way that they, they did things changed their life. When I have parents who email, uh, I've had several parents, I appreciate them, who emailed both the superintendent, emailed the principal on my behalf, trying to, to, to let them know that you're going to lose somebody who's extremely important to this, uh, to this community. Um, you know, when I, when I think about those moments, those are the moments that, that help me clarify and give clarity to the approach that I give. Um, yes, it has a lot of, of, of things that come your way because of the way that I teach. There's a lot of things that come in terms of jeopardy or, or people coming to talk to you. Um, but every time I get these messages from parents, from, 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 from students, it lets me know every single time. And I mean, every single time. I mean, let me read it. Let me read it. Right. I, yeah. want, to, I want to express my concern to see whether or not there's anything we can do to keep Mr. Ferrara Douglas. He's an exceptional leader, an educator in his ability to deliver information to his students and in his devotion to our students. He is the only teacher who even comes close to resembling my son. As a community, we need more educators like Mr. Ferrara Douglas for a multitude of reasons. And my son needs educators like him as role models. It's truly our loss and other institutions um, gain and another institution's gain should you let him leave. I know I'm in my feelings, uh, but it's very unfortunate um, to my stepson and their peer and his peers um, that he's he um, that he is leaving. Um, I wish him the best. It's truly great tribute. Shout out to that parent. Right, and so I also just sent you um, uh, just now um, something that a student uh, uh, sent me. Um, who, like I said, you don't have to read the whole thing if you don't want to. Uh, that's because I didn't get it, but anyway, go ahead. I just sent it to you just now. Oh, uh, good. Just now. Going? I'm talking about just now. You shared it or you sent it? I just, I just shared it. I just sent it to, to an email. But anyway, okay. um, you know, I'll just read it for y'all. Oh, I got it. Oh, you got it? You want, you want, you want go ahead. You know, I mean. Put my audio book on. It is quite, it's quite long, right? That's fine. Um, thank you for choosing me as a student of the year. Um, I could not be more honored to have such an amazing and thoughtful teacher like you. Even if I didn't win the award itself, having you as a teacher, and I totally mean that, um, is an award itself having you as a teacher, and I truly mean that. After you announced the nominees, um, we texted each other, and we were freaking out because we were in disbelief. But this year has been such a roller coaster. I didn't even ever think I would understand anything in chemistry. But you have made learning fun. Every day I'm excited to come to class and learn, which has never happened before. If I don't understand the lesson, I know that if I come after school and you would you would teach it to me and guide me through it. I have never felt so smart in my 16 years of life. The way you teach makes me feel like a more capable student and human being overall. When I finish a worksheet for your class, I feel on top of the world and so accomplished and proud of myself. 
I'm constantly checking my attitude and point of view on the things and tell myself to look at it through the eyes, through your eyes, because you're the most positive person I've ever met in my life. Amazing. 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 Are you ready really to read the rest of it? <laughs> I, I, I mean, you want me to, it's a long letter. I'm, I'm not. I'm not reading the whole thing right now, brother. <laughs> we're, we're well over an hour. No, nah, that's what I was trying but to shout out, But I mean, honestly, in all, in all, in all, shout out to you, man. Um, uh, it sucks, right? Um, and you deserved, you deserved every bit of, every bit of that energy that those, cause I see you work, man. I, 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 I see two people every night when I, three people every night when I look down to the G chat and I see the green thing. And I always remember, like, people think I'm crazy for always working. And it's this thing you don't want to normalize overworking. But am I, are we really working if we get results like that? Like, feel seen. Feel smart. Feel incredible. Feel positive. You know, and one of the things that I – the hardest part about leaving, and I imagine you felt this way as well uh, before, before uh, certain opportunities opened up, but just like that parent said, my heart goes out to the, to, to the students of Everett. Um, I don't want to pump myself up too much, but act like I said this humbly, but I, I don't know if there's going to be another voice that's in that community, that's in that space that, that brings that kind of, that kind of targeted, you know, structured, point of view towards students i don't know if that's i don't know if that exists i don't i don't know if there's a faculty in there who's 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 willing to do that and for those individuals you know as i leave or or go uh teach someplace else you know for this for the teachers who are out there at everett what i would ask you and then what i would tell you is how important it is for you to be that targeted to be that intentional, to be that direct and pointed, and make Pers- sure. personalization. It is, you can ask the students, it's not some days when they came in, it was every day we were going to talk about this. We're also going to do the chemistry, as that student said, and how she felt about her confidence, not in, um, in terms of just social and cultural issues but in terms of her chemistry ability right which is correct my real, correct which is my usually they're, they're like oh um well if they're feeling this way about culture what is he when does he find time to teach, teach chemistry there's your evidence well there's your evidence right so to me that is the evidence that students are, are able to use this approach to buoy and project themselves to a higher level of their content that you're supposed to be teaching. And so if there's an Everett teacher out there, I wanna push you and say that, like I said, my big fear is that I'm leaving and there's not gonna be a teacher who's gonna fill that void and push that type of intentional content to them. And I would push you to find it in yourself to, 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 to figure out ways in which you can bring it every single day, not just some days, every day. And so I would push that to you. Thank you. Um, the highlight of my year is um, it's it's not we focus so much on behaviors of students. 
Um, but I think the highlight of my year is a particular behavior. It was their it's the students' responses. Response to COVID, response to changes, response to all the things that we said that, that schools said they couldn't do. And their response was unflappable. Their response was tough, resilient. Um, it was positive, it was real. I never had a kid say, hey, listen, man, I know teachers are going through a lot. I know it's hard for y'all. Kids, I know it's hard for y'all, you know? And I announced I was leaving. And the reason that, you know, some people, you know, I heard a ghost whisperer is like, why is he telling all the kids now? Why ain't he telling the last day? Well, because I think kids, we don't need to abruptly leave the lives of our children. We don't. They had enough of that. But I had two kids come and visit me all week, just showing up, sitting there. You know, shout out to y'all. Y'all know who y'all are. Um, but the, the, it's not about really what you do to react. What kids do is how they respond, and we're responsible for that. If we don't change the decision-making around the response to adversity, we're not educating. So, yeah. The biggest winner this year has been the students and how they respond, how they respond to the toughest challenges. Not about me, not about anything I did, but I'll tell you one thing, they inspired the hell out of me. My former students, my students that didn't like me, my students now, how they responded. Thank you guys for being patient through a very um, passionate episode but just a couple of black dudes, man. The black chemistry teacher, the black used to be vice principal, I'm not a vice principal anymore. Um, but larger than that, that is a great human I call a brother who's the only AP chemistry teacher on the, in this country until we find somebody else. Tell him, find somebody for me. And then me, the guy who's carving out his own space. And he's going to, I will go six feet deep before I let somebody tell me I'm not doing a good job. So you could expect nothing but effort coming from me. It's actually effort is my religion. So um, have a good night, everyone. And we'll see you guys. We have an, um, in our next episode after this one, we're going to have a super duper guest principal from um, Houston. Have a good night. Take care. <laughs>